Today is Thursday, January 4th, 2017. It has been seven weeks and four days since I filed for divorce. And I thought it would be interesting to read my personal narrative that the attorney required me to complete. I am uh, not driving (laughs) while I read. This is the first recording I have made where I am not driving. Here is my narrative history. Segment one, life before my spouse. After a childhood lived in poverty with a single uneducated working mother, I put myself through college with no help from my family. I received Pell Grants due to my economic status, assumed student loans, and worked three jobs. After graduating from Southern Illinois University, I worked several jobs, slowly making more money as I moved along. I lived on my own and supported myself since the age of 17. In March 1997, Fleischman Hillard recruited, hired, and relocated me back to St. Louis, my hometown area, from Philadelphia, where I was living and working at the time. I met Mike Mayer, again after being acquainted with him in college who was also working for Fleischman Hillard. Mike and I became close friends, and he revealed to me that despite having worked at Fleischman Hillard for several years, I was making a higher salary than him, which clearly irritated him. I had more experience in a variety of related positions and was placed on highly visible client accounts with the agency. My career there was promising and fulfilling. Because Mike was in a supervisory role and I was a subordinate, Dating was against company policy. However, Mike and I started discreetly dating after he assured me he knew of other employees doing the same thing. I soon found out that he was also having a long-time relationship with another subordinate, Natalie Hum. He said he could not break up with her because it would, quote, damage the Valvoline account, end quote, which they both worked on. He dated both of us for several months. Eventually, and after I was harassed in the office by Natalie and her co-workers, he broke it off with her and said he dated me exclusively. Soon, we determined the nature of our relationship was serious enough to reveal it to the company management and face consequences. We moved in together January 1998. Mike proposed marriage on February 14, 1998. I became pregnant in 1998, April, and we moved and we married September 19, 1998. We've been together for 20 years and married for 18. His parents have never been supportive of our marriage because I am not Catholic and I come from a broken home. His mother has been outspoken about this ever since I have known her. The next section is called Life with My Spouse and Children. The night before our wedding, Mike admitted that he had a sexual relationship with my maid of honor and friend, Christine Markovic. They had a secret pact to keep the information from me and her husband, Jack. This nearly ruined our wedding day. I asked him not to drink on the day of our wedding as we were marrying in my family's Baptist church and alcohol consumption is a sin in the eyes of the church. He showed up to the ceremony smelling strongly of alcohol after golfing the whole day. On our honeymoon, he admitted to 
making out with the beer wench caddy who drove their golf cart. He said his boss, Andy Woods, paid her to French kiss Mike. Slowly, I began to realize Mike wasn't the man I hoped and believed that he was. However, I was pregnant and determined to put a stable family together like I never had. Immediately, just days after we were married, Mike and I moved to Bentonville, Arkansas to accommodate a new job he accepted by Walmart. He was offered a raise and he wanted to leave Fleischman. I was able to negotiate to stay in my position while working remotely and driving to Little Rock twice a week to meet with my client, SBC. Our daughter was born January 2, 1999. Shortly after our daughter was born in 1999, I caught Mike in a very damaging lie concerning a young single woman he hired to work for him at Walmart. We had made plans for him to come home for lunch. I was on maternity leave and breastfeeding at home. He called and said he was too busy with work to come home. I felt bad for him and guilty for being at home, so I made a picnic basket lunch and drove with our newborn to his office. The secretary, Amy, told me Mike was out to lunch with Jessica. I called him on his cell phone and he said he was working and I revealed that I knew he was out to lunch with her. As a new mother, recently moved away from family and friends and my job, I was crushed. A few weeks later, I caught him in another lie concerning Elise Mitchell, a vendor of Walmart. Elise was very attractive, married to a doctor, and an avid golfer like Mike. He lied and told me they were working late when they were off playing golf. He said it was no big deal, but when I asked if we could discuss it with Elise's husband, he became extremely angry and defensive, called me crazy, and said I would ruin his job. He refused to stop seeing her outside of work for lunches and golf, so I threatened to leave, which I did, per our mutual agreement. Things deteriorated further after I left. In May 1999, Mike and I decided that I would leave for a while to go home to St. Louis and get help with the baby, relax, and try to give our marriage a cooling-off period. I packed a suitcase and moved to my mother's, excuse me, and drove to my mother's with our five-month-old daughter. My mother begged me to return to Mike and work it out. Mike had promised to work on our house and think about our marriage and try to get his head in the right place. I called our house to talk with him one evening and instead got the answering machine. I listened to our messages and it was very clear that he was going out that night with his bachelor friend, John, from Walmart. They had made plans to drink and ride motorcycles around town. I called the bar where they were supposed to be meeting. I confirmed with the waitress that Mike was there. He lied to the waitress and said it wasn't him, and he refused to come to the phone. I told the waitress to tell him that his wife was on the phone with a family emergency, and he still refused to admit that it was him. He had signed into the bar registry as required by law in the dry county where we lived, and she confirmed his motorcycle and helmet. I took the baby and drove to Mike's parents' house, extremely distraught about the lies and the worry about our future. Mike's father called him at home later and told him to, quote, get your head out of your ass and act like a married man and come get your wife and baby, end quote. Mike drove to St. Louis and we went back to Arkansas together. On the way home, he admitted some things which I am redacting right now from this story. We went to a marriage counselor twice, Barbara, 
and he refused to see her again because he felt she was blaming him for our problems. After that time, we moved to Round Rock in the year 2000 to accommodate his job with Dell. On multiple occasions, I caught him in lies involving his co-workers, Amy King and Michelle Mossmeyer. He admitted to attending training because of a sexual harassment charge brought against him by another woman we both used to work with at Fleischman Hillard. She was also working at Dell. His boss, T.R. Reed, took him out drinking during the workday. They went to a nude strip club in Lubbock, Texas called Players. Once when he was traveling with Amy King, he thought that he hung up the cell phone and I heard the entire conversation that was romantic in nature. They were at a restaurant and she was trying to talk him into staying an extra day. He said, quote, my wife will kill me if I stay another day. She suspects something, end quote. He traveled with single females frequently and attended sporting events, Broadway shows, nightclubs, etc. I told him this made me uncomfortable and that he wouldn't like it if it were the other way around. I was still able to work for Fleischman Hillard year four in their Austin, Texas office. However, in 2001, we agreed I would quit working. I had a scary miscarriage and we were having a great deal of trouble with our daughter in daycare. The daycare would call me at work and tell me our daughter was screaming and crying for her mother. I frequently left work to go get her. This caused my productivity at work to drop. I was taken off assignments. Mike was working at Dell, making a good salary, and he traveled a lot. Our son was born in April 2002. I stayed home with both children for about 10 years. I worked as a piano teacher during this time, contributed many hours of volunteer work in the community and school. I am redacting another paragraph here. I started to see a marriage counselor in Round Rock for an entire year before Mike joined me for a few sessions. He stopped going after he believed he was ganged up on. I continued seeing the marriage counselor for more than five years by myself. We have seen three marriage counselors total, all at my request. I have tried to keep our marriage together. Most recently, Mike began to play graphic, violent, first-person shooter video games all night long. We eventually took separate bedrooms because he would play online all night. Against my explicit and stated wishes, he began allowing our young son to play with him. This has directly led to our son withdrawing from outdoor activities, sports, etc., and having a temper that's hard to manage and declining grades in school. Mike then started collecting and amassing guns and ammunition against my wishes. This made life together frightening, especially when he was drunk and aggressive. I have called 911 twice when he was out of control, once in Round Rock, Texas, and once in Alton, Illinois. The children and I stayed at the Marriott in Round Rock when I was too scared to be at home with him. He talked about moving our money into gold. He talked about government conspiracies, etc. His political views became extreme. When we were having a fight in 2013, he admitted to a sexual relationship with a woman at Hewlett Packard who works in human resources. He told me they had sex in a hotel room while they traveled together in Germany. He said he told me just to see if I would care. He often belittled me in front of the children. When I asked for help with dinner dishes, he would remind me that I made no money and that he made $800 a day, and why should he do the dishes? He would say, quote, oh, remind me, how much money did you make today? End quote. 
He told our son that women's feet are smaller than men's so they can get closer to the sink. He refused to help with any domestic chores. He has recently forced our children to lie to me about things happening at his house in Hutto, Texas. For example, someone broke in and stole valuable equipment from his garage shop, and he told them not to tell me. Many times he has driven with our son in excess of 100 miles per hour on the road and told him not to tell me. My son told me that it makes him feel bad to lie to me. In 2008, I fell and broke my back in three places. The night of the event, Mike refused to drive me to the emergency room. He told me to take a couple of Tylenol and go to bed. He had been out racing at the track and didn't get home until after 1 a.m. that night. I had three broken vertebrae and had to wear a back brace for 12 weeks. At this point, I questioned his concern for my health and welfare. Mike constantly sequestered himself in his garage and did activities that alienated himself. I eventually looked for happiness outside of my marriage by joining the Round Rock Community Choir, going to graduate school, teaching piano lessons, playing tennis, volunteering in the school and community, and finding part-time work as a musician. I spent 20 years with Mike, 18 of those married. I never wanted to divorce him, but the unhappiness and fear made staying together impossible. He became withdrawn, unavailable, extreme in his political views, and mean over the years. I tolerated a dysfunctional relationship much longer than I should have because I wanted my kids to have an intact family. I left a very promising career to raise and care for our children. He never missed a day of work to care for them or had to miss a single meeting or trip. He never had to worry about his children while he built a successful career. I've tried for at least the past three and a half years to secure a better paying job and I've not been able to. I have more than 50 rejections. The gap in my professional resume and my age causes most potential employers to turn me down. In addition, a degenerative condition in my left eye is making reading and writing more difficult and there is danger of blindness. I'm afraid my earning power is permanently compromised. Mike has told me many times to get off my payroll and recently berated me and said, you're using my money to get more of my money, the divorce. He said, you'll just be poor and destitute like your mother. Character sketch, number one, myself. Outgoing, busy, energetic, educated. I keep myself busy as a dedicated mother, teacher, and musician. I'm generally cheerful, except for recently with this divorce, I am distracted, depressed, fearful, and constantly worried about the future. I'm close to my children. I read a lot, and I belong to a neighborhood book club. I teach part-time at a university and work as an admissions counselor at the same school near our house. I come from a poor family, and I don't have any family living nearby and no family that can help me in any way. Number two, spouse or ex-spouse. Introverted and a loner. Works on his cars in the garage in his free time. Does not like affection and thinks crying is a sign of weakness. Watches Fox News constantly, plays violent video games that are graphic, collects guns and cars, and works out. Recently installed security cameras all around his property in Hutto, Texas. Drinks a lot and can get violent when drunk and angry. Makes misogynistic jokes about women. Selfish with his personal time, doesn't enjoy small talk. Thinks holding hands is disgusting. Uses nigger, 
around our children frequently, even though I have warned him that this can cause problems. Number three, you as you would be described by the opposing party. Built a life outside of my marriage. Spend money too much, drink too much wine. A good mother, dedicated to my kids and their education. Stay out late at night, away from home on weekends. Expectations are too high and controlling. I am blamed for the breakup of our marriage. Number four, the opposing party as they would describe themselves. Hardworking, dedicated to children, car and gun collector, very conservative Republican, gave his wife money and security. Number five, each of the children. Victoria is 17, a straight-A student, rule follower, very smart, introverted, passionate about animals, vice president of the high school FFA, never lazy, has taught the same Sunday school class for many years, has few close friends, dedicated to her church and the FFA, wants to be a veterinarian and attend Texas A&M. She is raising a steer for her senior livestock project, loves chickens, loves her parents, and is kind to everyone. Never had a serious boyfriend. Michael Declan is 14 and a typical moody teenage boy. Lazy. His grades are slipping in school. He is very smart and does not live up to his potential. Standardized tests show he's advanced for his grade level. He plays violent graphic video games. Doesn't like school or care much about it. He holds a position called reporter with the high school FFA. He is raising a goat for his FFA project. Recently, he has become indifferent and disrespectful to his mother and uncooperative. I worry about his happiness and ambition after his big sister leaves for college. And that's my narrative. <laughs>